Hello, welcome to Extra Virgin, a podcast for gourmands who love to travel and travellers who love good food. I'm your host, Natasha Mirosh, an insatiably curious food and travel writer who's toured and tasted her way around more than 60 countries. Join me now as I talk to the people who make travelling and eating such a delicious adventure. Hi there, thanks for joining me for this episode of Extra Virgin Food and Travel. About six months ago, my friend tagged me into a YouTube series called Pasta Grannies. I sat there for about an hour just watching episode after episode, and I have been obsessed by it ever since. It is absolutely the most wholesome thing on the internet. And if you haven't seen it, then you need to go and do so right now. Basically, it's videos of grannies in all parts of Italy, mostly remote villages, making their region's pasta dish. Now, I know there's been a lot of Italy content on Extra Virgin lately, but as an editor I pitched an Italian story to recently said, there is no such thing as too much Italy. So we're off there again to meet the brains behind the show, Vicky Benison. Vicky's not only the creator of Pasta Grannies, but she's also the author of two Pasta Grannies cookbooks. One was released in 2019 and the other just a couple of months ago. It's fantastic. She and her husband, Billy, own a home in La Marca region of central Italy and they split their time between there and London. Welcome, Vicky. It's so wonderful to have you on Extra Virgin. I'm a huge fan of Pasta Grannies and I totally credit you and your wonderful grannies for my recent excellent from scratch pasta making experience. In fact, I think my family have become so spoiled that they're going to be turning up their noses at bought pasta from now on. Oh, no, don't say that. (laughs) Dry pasta is very good. It has a different function to fresh pasta. (laughs) Yeah, but how good is fresh pasta? And I had no idea until I read the recipe in the beginning of your Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking book how easy it was. And now I just do the, the 100 grams of flour and one egg per person and occasionally I'll throw in another egg yolk maybe if I want to make it a little bit richer Mm -hmm. and it works every time it's just beautiful so thank you for that yes (laughs) oh no I mean thank thank the grannies (laughs) Vicky can you tell me a little bit about your background oh well I'm 64 so I've had quite a lot of background in terms of (laughs) career and and so um, so I was a management consultant for many years, specialised in international development. So I, that took me around the world, really. I had a couple of years in South Africa, for example, and went to Siberia, Kenya, and Malaysia, and that kind of thing. And all the while, I had a complete passion for food, and, and the markets would be the first place that I'd go to whenever I visited a new country. And I was writing about it, you know, letters home and stuff. And then alongside the consulting, I was starting to write guidebooks. And so I wrote a, a series called The Taste of a Place. And I did books on Mallorca, Andalusia and Corfu. And and so it wasn't until I got to Italy that I sort of made the break from consulting and, and went into food writing full time as I was with my husband converting the house that we have here in Italy. And as part of that process, I noticed that it was only older women who were making pasta by hand on a daily basis. And I thought, ooh, you know, I've got to make a record of this. <laughs> so that's, that's how Pasta Grannies started. I actually invited the grandmother of 
the local supermarket manager to come round and demonstrate her her ravioli. Mm. And and we had a, we had a great day. But what was obvious from that day was that photography wasn't in because the physicality of pasta making is such that you want to kind of capture the rhythm, which you don't do with photography and and, and words. You need the video. Mm. And of course, the obvious place to put a video is is on YouTube. So, um, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't a weekly thing. It was just when I found grannies mm. through word of mouth. And and so that's how the Pasta Grannies channel came into being. And what year was that? I think it was about 2014. Okay, so I've got a lot to catch up on then. I've only just, just found you. <laughs> so there are about 400 videos now. Wow. Um, so... Yeah, there are. I mean, obviously, there's a difference between the ones at the very beginning and the ones we have now. Hmm. The ones at the very beginning are, are just me with a camera, kind of rigid with fear because I've never actually <laughs> picked up a camera before. And now I have a cameraman. Okay. So, you know, much, you know, I've learned along the way about what's needed. And so, yes, my, I have a, a little team. I have a pasta granny finder. Um, oh, tell me about your pasta granny finder. How did you do it in the beginning when you were by yourself? Word of mouth, word of mouth in the beginning. And then when, so Livia de Giovanni lives in Faenza and it's, it's key to have an Italian to kind of seal the deal, if you like, because it's quite easy to say no to a stranieri. And so Livia is my wing woman, really. I mean, she sort of helps with persuading mayors and, and things like that to find grandmothers in their community so it's a sort of quite a lengthy process because we kind of ask say for example the mayor or the the organizer of food festival who they know mm. and then we contact the families and then there's a whole discussion with the families about whether it's a good idea or not <laughs> and then the grandmother has to agree as well and mm. so that takes a while and and uh, yeah so that's her job I and mean, she's completely passionate and, and and dedicated she's on a mission oh god i want to be a pasta <laughs> granny finder it sounds like a fantastic oh, I, job <laughs> no it's it's, a, it's quite a hard job actually you know because grandmothers change their mind all the time and, and <laughs> she, she does a grand job and what's your criteria what do you look for in a good granny someone who agrees to appear on camera <laughs> and, and is happy for us to come into the into their home because that's quite important it means that they're much more relaxed when they're in a, f- a familiar environment sometimes the daughters will say oh no my kitchen's smarter you know mm. please come and film here but then instantly our grandmother doesn't know where the, the knives are that mm. kind of thing so it, it matters that they are in their own kitchens and that's what we try and do mm. so you know ages doesn't really matter we like them as old as possible because they have They've mm. seen more changes in their life than others. So those who are over 85, 90, for example, mm. were around before the Second World War and can remember the stories and the experiences of that. You know, they, they, are, they are the ones that truly to make pasta uh, was the only way to put it on the table because, you know, to, to buy means that you had a disposable income to do that. So for a lot of women, that wasn't the case. So... If you wanted a pasta dish on for lunch, you had to make it mm. first. So, yeah, so that's why we try and go for, a, you know, 85, 95. <laughs> We've even got a 99-year-old in the book. I have, I'm sure I've seen one recently where she might have even been 100, the lady whose husband had lost both of his legs in the war. 
Oh, yes, 2018. Well, unfortunately, she passed away. Aww. And this is one of the things mm. is... The downside. Inevitably. Mm. Yeah, the downside is that, that they, they do pass away. Um, and uh, so she was fantastic. She had great stories to tell. So in the book, for example, there's Marietta, who's 99. And she is full of beans and very spry still. So that's great. So we try and see her whenever we can. <laughs> Once is not enough. So she lives in uh, Rome part-time and then... Calabria for the summer months yeah so she's great it's a it's a fantastic job that you're doing this historical record keeping that other places that you go to are are quite tiny villages quite remote you know to to collate all of this together for future generations who may not live in a world where those those women are, are there making pasta it's quite extraordinary well, thank you. Yes, we do spend most of our time in very obscure, remote places. <laughs> we do not make it to the centre of Florence. <laughs> I mean, that would be fun, but that's not where we find our grandmothers. So inevitably, I think if you move to a big city, more choice is there. You've moved for work, probably, and therefore your skills aren't as essential as if you are in the middle of nowhere and the only way to eat is to make it because you know most most italian towns these days have a pasta feature a pasta shop where you can go and buy your fresh pasta so why make it yeah so that's why we kind of try and find women who who are still very close to the land and still growing their own vegetables that kind of thing so we quite often end up lost in the middle of the Apennines somewhere. <laughs> Most of the villages that you visit I've never heard of and I love seeing the Pasta Granny's kitchens. They're fantastic. Aren't they great? Yes. And they're always very small. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh, can we all fit in? Yeah, so, that, you know, magic happens in these kitchens and it doesn't need complicated or expensive equipment it just needs a bit of wooden surface area and, and your hands at the most basic you know up in the Emilia Romagna and the surrounding regions you'll get egg pasta and and that needs a bigger board when you're making the sfoglia the, the the pasta sheet so you might have to go and buy a dowling rod rather than a very long mozzarella rolling pin to begin with but it can be done. I did go and buy one recently. I've graduated from my small wooden rolling pin. I just didn't find that it was good enough after I started making pasta. No, it's not. No, I mean, it, it does help. Your sfoglia, your pasta sheet, can only be as big as your rolling pin. Mm. So, I mean, if you've got a short rolling pin, that means you're actually only doing a one egg pasta every time. You have to divide up your dough if you've made it a larger amount mm. because you don't want the ridges, the, the edge of the rolling pin will create ridges in your pasta. Mm. And so you want an even thickness. So that's that's why we talk about long rolling pins. And you also talk about in the book the boards, the various boards that the women have that mm. they roll their pasta on, which is fascinating. They're, they're made from all kinds of wood, aren't they? Oh, yes. I mean, it can be anything that's local. I mean, traditionally, these women have got their husbands, maybe the local carpenter, to, to make one for them. So if you're in Tuscany somewhere, it's going to be chestnut wood. It might be beech. It's quite often beech or birch these days. And so the important thing is having a lip down one side. Um, it doesn't move when you're rolling it. And lots of ladies actually keep them under their kitchen table. They've got a special shelf underneath. Sometimes you sit <laughs> a whole pasta table. 
Oh, wow. I actually am desperate to get one made now because, yes, I don't have enough bench space and I don't have a, a board big enough, so I'd like to get one made for myself. Yeah, it is It is a hassle. I mean, so our ladies quite often have them sort of special material bags to keep them in and then sort of hidden behind the chest of drawers if they don't get, if they haven't got the table. But you do need to think about space. And in fact, sometimes you see ladies who've actually got them attached to the wall and so they'll kind of drop them down like a sort of oh, daybed oh. or something. You know, this. <laughs> they don't wash them, is that right? You don't wash them or the boards? No, you're going to wipe them down or you scrape it off. So, I mean, pasta boards are dedicated to making pasta. You don't want other flavours. Don't feel tempted to chop the onions on the pasta board to save washing up. So you don't need to scrub down a pasta board. It's a, a good a wipe down if necessary. Scrape off the dough before it dries on too hard. You know, you need a, a, a bench scrape, a dough scrape, and, and you're, you're good to go. I'm putting dough scrape on my list now of things to buy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what other kind of things have you learned over this time? That I probably left it too late to make 90 in a healthy, in a healthy <laughs> way <laughs> because these never sit down. I mean, they, they are always on the move. They've never actually kind of, in quotes, retired. They've just kept working all their lives. And I always joke that they don't have comfortable chairs in their homes because <laughs> there's no need for one. <laughs> Always, you know, that's that sort of huge kind of Duracell bunny, as we'd say in the UK. You know, I don't know if you get the same ad where the mm. sort of, you know, the bunny just keeps on going. Yes. Well, that's that's our pasta grannies. And I think there's also uh, what's striking is a sense of community and friendships. I think when we talk about the Mediterranean diet, we should really talk about the Mediterranean lifestyle and how it's important to keep up with friends and family and community. That sort of is reinforced when you meet these women because quite often we have, you know, half the village behind the camera. <laughs> They're all, they've all come along to watch. <laughs> so it's not just how you eat, it's it's who you eat with and in what circumstances yes, that keep you healthy. How, yes, who you eat with, who you cook for and the importance of cooking from scratch. And it doesn't have to be pasta, but if you're, if you're having to open sort of cellophane packets and look at the long list of ingredients, then, you know, you need to maybe make some adjustments a little, a few, you know, cook from, cook your veggies. They're very keen on their veggies. Uh, meat is something that you know, gets eaten on Sundays, but in fact, in their youth, it would be eaten once or twice a year. You know, there are stories from women who would be sent out to buy the one slice of lamb because their mother wasn't feeling well and that's all they could afford, mm. you know, that sort of thing. So food is about inclusion. It's eating as much as you can when you can because it's seasonal mm. and it's there rather than what we do nowadays about all these foods that you can't eat because they're supposedly bad for you. It's a kind of quite a different mindset to what we have these days. Do you, is there a pasta that you've come across that you'd really never heard of or, or tried before that you were surprised by? Well, we're, I'm off to Piemonte in Aosta. And hang on, if I, I'm just going to look up and see what Olivia has to say. Hmm. Because there's one I've never heard of. <laughs> Parabelle con sugo coniglio. Hmm. So we think that's, we think that's a, a sort of chestnut type of pasta. And we're not sure of the shape. Mm. <laughs> so we kind of go oh you know and then it sort of turns out to be something entirely different when we're you know before we we sort of we sort of think yeah that's that and there's tagliarini con tuku this is all next week when we're going to be filming mm. ravioli con puri so that's a kind of relatively um recent 
you know, be something since the Second World War. When we talk about modern recipes, mm. <laughs> it's not last week. It's like, oh, last 60 years. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, then sometimes there's some there's sort of straightforward ones. There's gnocchi con uh, fontina cheese, which, you know, I'm looking forward to that. That's kind of really carb heaven, isn't it? So, yes, I can't even remember the names, but I love the story of there's a pasta to the north of Izio that sees swaddling clothes, babies' nappies oh. in in dialect. <laughs> and it's only made in that village. And you the way that you fold is how you'd put on an old fashioned old fashioned nappy. But anyway, mm. so that's the idea of you know, there's sort of but no one knows to look for it because if it's popular with the algorithm on YouTube, then you <laughs> you know, it's it's sort of that will make it pop pop up. Mm. But I think I mean, there is a list. If you want to kind of go through all the really obscure pastas in Italy, they are there. <laughs> I do want to go through that, absolutely. It's quite extraordinary how many types of pasta there are and how few of them have travelled, although I guess that's to do with the isolation and Italy having been mented for such a long time. Yes, partly. I think there are lots of reasons for that. It's, you know, from where in Italy did Italians emigrate Mm. So, for example, here in Marche, they emigrated to Argentina. Further north, when you start getting into Emilia-Romagna, they moved to Switzerland and Britain. And then, you know, a lot of it around New York, New Jersey and stuff, that, that was from the Naples area, south of Naples. So you then have very specific recipes that people think are Italian, but actually just come from specific area so i was recently in san francisco doing a you know on the book tour and there are quite a few people from liguria so they have a different set of recipes that they're cooking there i mean there are ragu recipes from all over italy and so the fact that we call it spaghetti bolognese is i think possibly not because you know it's not actually being made in Emilia Romagna. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so i think it's a sort of an interpretation from people elsewhere and so lasagna i mean I, I quite often get americans saying well why haven't you put ricotta in your your lasagna and it's, mm. the answer is well you know you only put ricotta in your lasagna if you're from southern italy mm. so there are lots of different types of lasagna and in fact in the book i've put four mm. in you know the the first book was all about trying to get as many different shapes of pasta as possible into the book this book is more about crowd-pleasing recipes, mm. and since everybody loves a lasagna, yeah. I put it. I put in four. <laughs> I loathe making um, it though. It's it's just way too time-consuming to make it from scratch. Well, I, you're not going to make it every every week, but you know, I think it's worth. I think it's worth doing once in a while. Oh, it's my family agree. Steps. It's lots. It's lots of different steps, but it's not difficult. No, no, um, it's not difficult. I'm a very messy cook, so. Having multiple things happening like that always ends up being very messy. I'm not so keen about cleaning up afterwards. Vicky, what about, so there are, there are many, many pasta shapes, but there are also particular sauces that go with pasta shapes. It's always a bit odd when you see people, not in Italy, pairing pastas with particular sauces. And I, I, I'm sometimes taken aback a bit and think, oh, that doesn't go with that. And I don't know why. It's just an instinctive thing. I just feel like that sauce isn't the right sauce for that particular pasta. But are there any kind of basic rules about what shapes go with what types of sauces? There are rules of thumb rather than rules. Hmm. And often it's common sense. So I recently in America had, it was fresh 
tagliolini with a fresh tomato sauce which absolutely doesn't work because we were talking about dried pasta. You, you need something that's kind of robust mm. and larger to go with those fresh tomatoes. Mm. Um, you know, the tagliolini goes with rich sauces or vongole, you know, the clams, that kind of thing. It's, it's a not, it's, if you're thinking about it, it should be sort of fairly obvious that you pair, you know, chunky pastas with more chunky fresh vegetable sauces. So, you know, those sort of uh, cavatelli sauces that you get are cavatelli are pasta from southern Italy that you make with durum wheat flour and water. And they hold their shape. And it's a lovely, it's an easy one to make, in fact. And so you'll get that sort of being mixed with broccoli and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, and for me, it's sort of something that becomes intuitive. You look at it and think, yeah, I'll put it with this pasta. There are some pasta shapes, dried pasta shapes like fusilli, which actually lend themselves to a variety of sauces. Mm. Yeah, so pappardelle, for example, is traditionally served with rich game stews, and you wouldn't you wouldn't put that with you know fresh vegetable sauces, for example. No, pasta shapes from southern Italy tend to be pasta tends to be made with durum wheat flour, and uh, the gluten in that's created uh, when you add water to durum wheat flour is different in its characters to ordinary wheat flour so it's plastic but not elastic so it holds its shape Mm. and therefore that dictates what sort of things that you make with it whereas egg pasta is very stretchy you can extend it to quite a long way and that's why it's sort of suited to ravioli so you'll always get sort of fine more sophisticated ravioli like capoletti and tortellini in northern Italy and you'd never see it done in southern Italy Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, <laughs> makes total sense. <laughs> so geography and what you can grow in turn influences what you can make and eat. Mm. And and possibly your financial status as well, right? But yeah, so meat is, is something that you only – a meat-based goo is only something that you would make traditionally for Easter, Christmas, that kind of thing. I mean, nowadays it's all changing and you can go out to a restaurant and eat it whenever you want, but – uh, yeah. Mm. And you were talking about how you find your grannies. What is the, the process of putting together the show and how long does each one take? So we, we, we film a couple of grannies a day. We try and keep them in the same area so we don't spend too much time travelling. And then that footage is sent to one of my, I have a kind of pool of editors. It depends, you know, they're freelancers and it depends what they're up to. And then they put a rough cut together and, and then I'll go through it and sort of do, and I'll have sent them a brief about what to expect from that, that footage. Mm-hmm. And then I'll send the, the voiceover, I'll do an audio and, and then another cut happens. And then we spend a lot of time on subtitling because sometimes it's dialect and we have to go back to the family. You know, quite often my Italian, I mean, I speak Italian, but not well enough. So when they're speaking very fast or in dialect, you know, Livia steps in and we have another look at it and then goes back to the family again. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long process. It does sound like it. And so that and that that happens every week. So I'm constantly trying to get ahead, but I never seem to manage it. But the intention is there. <laughs> is there any ever, ever any jealousy between grannies in the same village as to who's chosen to be filmed? 
No, I don't think so. I think if they're quite often, if there are sort of group of women that know each other, they'll end up cooking together anyway. Right. So there's there's a quite a lot of. I think there's a kind of a degree of diplomacy mm. and. Yeah, so I don't think there's jealousy at all. I think there's quite often, well, we don't make it like this here when you show them a video. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you, you, you show someone in Liguria what they're making in Calabria, they go, oh, very, very interesting, but actually <laughs> we're not going to do that. And so basically our, our grannies only make two or three pastas and they don't feel the need to expand their range mm. at all. <laughs> Have any of them gone on to, I don't know, to fame and fortune do people come to those villages to see those particular i try not to be too specific Mm. because otherwise there'll be a queue of people kind of saying make me a meal Mm. or teach me how to make this and i think that's not what an 85 year old wants Mm. i think particularly in america the, the, the sort of we've got giovanna who has set up her own YouTube channel, Cooking on the Cliff, I think it's called. Mm. And another, Dora, has has her own pasta line. But then here in Italy, the, if their grandchildren are delighted, then so are they. And then we have what I call our star grannies, people, women who are very happy to come and be filmed several times over. So, so they're great. And they all sort of entertain journalists and, and that kind of thing. But largely, I mean, they're pleased and then also oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It doesn't really impact their life. No, <laughs> so, they, they um, you know, they're content if their family are delighted and that kind of thing. Oh, they sound they sound so wonderful. And you have a you have a place there in La Marque, is that right? Yes, how long that's have, right. How yes, long have yeah. you been living there for? So we bought this in two thousand and five. So sort of what's that? It's it's nearly eighteen years, I think. Oh gosh! So have you always had an affinity for Italy? I think so. Yes, I'm old enough that when my my parents lived in Kenya, my dad sort of was helping farmers and stuff. And in those days, the only way home was by boat. And you know, the boat would land in Venice, and we'd all pile out and have amazing spaghetti. <laughs> We, that was I, see, I have great memories of, of Venice as a, as a five-year-old. <laughs> what a great introduction to Italy. Um, yeah. Uh, Vicky, is there any likelihood that Pasta Grannies will move sometime in the future from YouTube? Are we going to see them on, are we going to see you on television? Oh, that would be nice. We filmed a pilot episode earlier in the year and the sort of move was not just about recipes but about putting the grandmothers in the community so you get to see everybody and all the different types of recipes around a food event and in this case it was the feast of san giuseppe which is father's day in sicily so we're sort of taking that to commissioners to see their reaction and watch this space (laughs) well i i certainly hope it comes to fruition i and i have to say i have a pavlovian response when the pasta granny's music come on (laughs) i feel immediately happy it's just such a whole. It's great to hear. Oh. We get occasional people say, turn it off. No, really. <laughs> I mean, a copyright is a headache. So it's actually something that I commissioned. So I'm very happy with this. I, I wanted to have something that did exactly what you're describing. It's like instantly this was Pasta Granny's rather than have a, you know, a different tune every week. So... I'm pleased to hear that you enjoy it. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love it. And I haven't shut up about Pasta Granny since I found it. So everybody I know oh, great. Is, is now a fan. Wonderful. And <laughs> I am so thrilled. It's been a dream of mine to have you on and talk to you about Pasta Granny. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
And for anybody who wants to listen to Pastor Granny's, where do they go to, Vicky, on YouTube? How can they access it? Well, you just go to at Pastor Granny's, one word, and you'll get there. And it's at Pastor Granny's on Instagram. I mean, Facebook is the same same video but in a square format for some reason um, you have to ask mm. facebook about that but so yes it's uh, youtube and instagram and, oh, and we're trying out tiktok oh oh that'll <laughs> be just like ooh, I, I, I sort of like one of my clips one of my reels went viral and uh, and it wasn't me who posted it so i thought hang on a minute <laughs> I think I should be doing something about this. So we're having an experiment to see if it actually, you know, is worth worth doing. That's fantastic. <laughs> and you can also get copies of the Pasta Granny's book. I'm sitting here looking yes. at it right now. Comfort Cooking, Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking. And the original one, Pasta Granny's. And Full stop. <laughs> just Pasta Granny's. <laughs> but they're fantastic So, so I mean, you know, the first book is red and the second book is green. <laughs> so. There you go. Go out and get them. Well, thank you so much again, Vicky. I really, really appreciate it. And I look forward Absolute to pleasure. seeing Pasta Granny's hopefully on TV soon. Well, that's it for this episode of Extra Virgin. Thank you, lovely listeners, as always, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Wherever you are in the world, until next time, bon voyage and bon appétit. You've been listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for the Epicurious. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can follow Extra Virgin Food and Travel on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe, rate and leave a review. And if you'd like to help support Extra Virgin and keep us ad free, please consider buying us a virtual coffee on the website www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com